Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Melanie C., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, May 27, 2014. Today we are reading from the Big Book, and we are at page 67, paragraph 3, Notice that the Word. Today's readers are 12 Steps, Rabia M., 12 Traditions, Kathy W., readers of the text, Larry from Chicago, Marcella M., and Janice M. The reference number for yesterday, Monday, May 26, 2014, is 6393. 6393. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, Our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Rabia M. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, everyone. I am Rabia, and I am a newly recovered compulsive overeater. Step one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. I pass. Thank you. I will now ask Kathy W. to read the Twelve Traditions. Good morning, Kathy W. from Manitoba, Canada, compulsive overeater. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends on OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. 
Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop compulsive overeating. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater that still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our primary, our, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. Twelve, anonymity is a spiritual foundation of our, our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. I pass. Thank you. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature that we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify ourselves as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 67, paragraph three, notice at the word. And I will ask Larry from Chicago to begin reading. Good morning, Mel. Uh, Larry, recovered compulsive overeater from Chicago. Thanks so much for your service. Notice that the word fear is bracketed alongside the difficulties with Mr. Brown, Mrs. Jones, the employer, and the wife. This short word somehow touches about every aspect of our lives. It was an evil and corroding thread. The fabric of our existence was shot through with it. It set in motion trains of circumstances which brought us misfortune we felt we didn't deserve. But did not we ourselves set the ball rolling? Sometimes we think fear ought to be classed with stealing. It seems to cause more trouble. Uh, you know, fear fear is really an interesting phenomenon uh, for me. And, you know, I mean, by definition, uh, you know, to be afraid of, of someone or something is likely to be dangerous, painful, or threatening, you know, and, and in some of the words, you know, this terror, fright, alarm, panic, agitation, you know, these are all words that kind of go along with this, this notion of fear. And I can tell you that, you know, these things, they robbed me of, of living a, a full life. Um, 
you know, they stole from me a lot. And more than that, fear kept me disconnected from, from God. You know, the very fabric of my existence was shot through with fear. Um, it was an evil and corroding threat in my life. Um, it deprived me or it stole from me the ability, a lot of things. One of the things it deprived me of was the ability to connect uh, intimately with others. And, you know, so there I was. I mean, the, my thoughts really, as I was reading this paragraph, um, my thoughts go to many years ago when I was, um, and this is just one of the many examples, but it's one that sticks with me. Um, you know, I was working on my doctoral studies, and I was teaching at the same time, and I was, um, you know, working clini- in the clinical world, and I, I really seemed to, you know, have life, you know, right where I wanted it. I was direct. I was the director of my life. I'll have you know I was a very important person um, between my ears anyway. And, um, you know, and yet um, fear um, was my constant companion. You know, I feared everything. I feared uh, failure. Um, I feared success. You know, what if I succeed? Uh, then am I going to be expected to maintain that? Um, I walked around in in a constant state of agitation, which, you know, which I managed. I'll tell you how I managed it. I was, um, boy, was my life really working for me. I managed it uh, to keep it down by um, by eating and binging. Um, and, and when I binged uh, for a few brief moments, um, I was, you know, you know that feeling, ah, that feeling, you know, that's what it gave me. I, I felt nothing, you know, and I, and I was attending to, you know, the, the action of stuffing my face and, and killing myself. But for those brief moments, you know, fear, it seemed that fear was, was gone. And so I continued to kill myself that way. And, um, of course my relationships were, were uh were horrible of course i was i mean i was married twice um you know i i couldn't maintain relationships and yet somehow you know i i carried on and uh and i couldn't understand i continued to look for external ways to control this fear you know because i was the director of the show i was arranging the lights and the scenery and all the players in the show all the actors in the show you know and and it didn't work for me, you know. And and so, you know, when I think of fear in these, it, so it set in motion trains of circumstances which brought us misfortune, and and we felt we didn't deserve it. I didn't deserve this. Look at, look at me, you know, Mister Wonderful. <laughs> you know, um, I'm I'm gonna help myself and help you, and um, you know. But did we not ourselves set the ball rolling? I certainly did. You know, I um. My fear was was really all about self-centeredness, and 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 um, when I came into this program, you know, um, I began slowly but surely learning through this process, this practical program of action, which it took a long time for me to get. But when I got it, you know, I, I realized that these fears, um, you know, it was about self-centeredness, and I had to, in step three, prior to this, I had to fully turn my will in my life, you know, my action and my thinking over the care of God as I understood God. And when I did that, 
I worked step four thoroughly and courageously, and I got these fears on paper, not knowing what was going to happen. In fact, quite sure nothing was going to happen. This was an exercise in futility. But you know what it proved to be? It proved to be the most profound experience. And today, I'll just wrap up and say that today, my life is transformed. God transformed my life. He changed me completely. I had a complete personality change as the result of working these steps. And the disease persuaded me. It beat me, it ravaged me, you know, it beat me down until I was willing to fully concede, you know, who I was and get my fears and my grocery handicaps down on paper and begin to uh, change. God did that for me. And so, um, anyways, um, this, this, uh, you know, I'm a, a, a satisfied customer and I'm grateful for this program. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Who would like to comment on what was read? This is Kathy in Boston. Hi. Good morning, Kathy. Thank you, Melanie, for your service. Um, I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, um, and I'd like to comment on this. Um, it was truly the most corroding and evil thread in my inventory. And until I actually got all my fears on paper and did turnarounds with them, um, I had no idea how much of my success in life had been propelled by fear. Um, I had no idea how much fear... Uh, underlied my character defects, which I began to discover in my resentment turnarounds, um, my people pleasing, my need to control, my need for perfection. All of these stemmed from this basic underlying fear in my core. And uh, like Larry said, I was completely powerless over it. Um, and this this was uh, pretty scary to me until I realized that I didn't have to fix this myself and I could trust and rely on my higher power. And I, I must say, having been through the steps now quite thoroughly and living in 10, 11, and 12, um, I still come up against fear uh periodically and um i remember the first time that happened to me after i completed the ninth step i wondered if i had done had i not done a complete inventory but instead now i know that this is part of the process of god changing me that i have to continue to identify my fears and give them to god um and so I continued to do that, and little by little, um, their intensity has gone down, and I find freedom from them most days, and I'm just so grateful that I have tools now in the steps um, to address my fears rather than run away from them or eat over them, and with that, I pass. Thank you. Who else would like to comment on what was read? This is Bella. Can I share? Good morning, Bella. Yes. Good morning. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Bella, and I'm a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Melanie, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody that is on the line. Yes, the word fear, such a powerful word that 
It's really was running my life. Yes, the word fear is the power of my ego. Before the program, I had in myself this. It was it was the 24/7 the war the war in my ego. One part of my ego just told me. Bella, you will never you will never be a successful person. You are always a failure. You do all the time so many mistakes. You see, we cannot trust you. And the other part of my ego just told me, Oh, Bella, you see, this time you will win. This time you will show the people that you are the only one. That you know nobody will blame you and. Nobody will judge you. You are the best. You are perfect. And sure, I was surrounding with fear. In a way, either way, I was with fear. I, 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 I knew that I have to to be perfect. That I cannot do mistakes. I cannot show that I don't know everything all the time. I was fear. I was afraid. I was scared. I wanted to show, to prove. And well, I did. I I did believe that I am perfect. I always wanted to be perfect. I cannot be not perfect. I can do mistakes. And you know, I am human. And. I have my limitations, and it was a goal that I I could never reach it. And yes, I was I had fear. I was scared because I didn't know what will happen. I took upon myself the responsibility of everything and for the outcomings. And now, thank God that I am in the program. It's such a relief, such a freedom that I am connected to God. What means the connection? This connection means for me, I am acceptable. Yes, God loves me. God respects me. God wants me the way I am. And yes, I don't have to prove anymore. I am connected to God. I, I, I. You know, it's such a a freedom. I am such a relief to say I am powerless. And you know why I am powerless? Because I am human. Yes, God created me as a human. God doesn't want me to be perfect, and I don't want. I don't need to be perfect anymore. I am just connected to the power of love. Acceptance and respect, such a relief, such a freedom. I am not driven anymore by 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 fear and scared, and it's a freedom. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you. Who else would like to comment on what was read? Katie G from Boston. Hi. Good morning, Katie. Hey, Melanie, thanks for your service. Thanks for everyone who's on the line, recovered KDG, Boston Mass for today. Thank you, God. And uh, I don't remember there ever being a time in my life when I wasn't fearful. I was a little girl. My earliest memories are, you know, I'm going to 
my house is going to be robbed, it's going to burn down. And um, food provided a relief for me, right? Like I had all these fears, you know. I mean, I was completely paralyzed by them, driven by them. And um, I just want to focus in on didn't we set the ball rolling? I didn't understand that my fear was at the basis of my self-seeking behaviors, right? So I have a fear that you're going to reject me. So I look at everything you do through this lens of you're going to reject me. And so no matter what you do, like you might be having a bad case of the hiccups, but if you're looking at me a certain way, then I'm going to reject you first because I will not be rejected. Or, you know, I discovered early on that I was really scared around math and science. And so what did I do? I made decisions that made my life smaller and smaller and smaller and then, you know, ended up never pursuing math and science. And, and, and the ball of fear was rolling. And especially, like, with how I treated um, other people. Like, if I go in through this lens, like I said, of being rejected or um, fear of not being loved, like, I, I never realized that I had a chip on my shoulder. I thought the world had a chip on their shoulder and was treating me badly. But I was so afraid afraid of you. I was like I'm so afraid. I remember a big thing for me was so afraid of being vulnerable, right? Because you're gonna take advantage of me. So who do I become? Katie twenty questions. How are you? How's your childhood? What was the divorce of your parents like? I keep looking for ways to identify where you're vulnerable so you can't take advantage of me. And then I'm like, well why why is this um, you know, stealing my life, stealing relationships, stealing me out of the present moment? Because that's all fear is doing, right? It's clearing out the wreckage of my future. And fear caused so much trouble. You know, I'll just close with this. At the end of my fear inventory, I was devastated. And my sponsor said to me, that means you did it right. I saw that every single decision I had ever made had a fear that was that was on it and brought these circumstances that I was like, why is this happening to me? And I have had a profound alteration. Now, don't be mistaken for me. I still have fear, but I walk through it today. And I bring God in and I say, okay, God, this is the fear. I'm agnostic in this it, with my jobs. Who do you want me to have? Who should I be today? I should be a woman of honor, dignity, and grace. I should show up where you want me to be. I should practice gratitude and joy and look at all the abundance that you've brought into my life today and trust that the future will take care of itself. You know, and as long as I stay abstinent and committed to this circular process of doing the work, I find more and more freedom from fear. I am not paralyzed. I am not making decisions based on fear. And my life has exploded into God's abundance, and, and it's not to be missed. So with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Katie. Who else would like to share on what was read? This is Larissa, recovered in New York. May I share? Hi, Bobby. good morning, Larissa. Yes. And then Kathy. Good morning. Good morning. It's been a long time since I've been on the line with all of you. It's beautiful to hear everyone. Thank you, everyone, for your service. Um, love this paragraph. So the first thought that comes up when, when they introduce fear to us is um, all the lovely acronyms that I've heard over the years about fear. And the one that, for me, hits home the best is false evidence appearing real. I lived my life in a way that I made my fears snowball into bigger, scarier things. And I feel the time now into my protege, but the big scary monster under the bed 
is nothing more than a dust bunny when you're shining the light of God's grace onto it. And ultimately, it may make you sneeze, but it ain't going to kill you. And I really, like for me, I was just so um, raw that I was afraid everything was going to be my demise. Um, I also love how this paragraph brings up our victim mentality when we're in disease, this, you know, these things we thought we didn't deserve. Um, you know, it's like life is life. And somehow we as addicts believe that everything in life should go the way that we want it to go, the way that makes us comfortable and easy, which is all that selfish, self-centeredness. And, you know, life gets to unfold as God would have it unfold, not as Larissa would have it unfold. So there's that aspect of remembering that I'm not a hapless victim of circumstance, that life happens around me and my reactions to it are the problem not life itself. Um, and then the reference to the, the robbery and progress here, you know, um, in resentment, we basically miss out squandering hours of our life, living in the pain of the past over and over and over again. And when we live in fear, we're basically missing out on the gift of the present moment um, and robbing ourselves of, of the, the pleasure of what is here and now. I've also really come to understand that when we do the inventory process, um, the two most powerful columns for me are really looking at um, the dishonesty in my fears. Like many of the things I feared had never happened and likely would never happen, but I was wasting my life, like giving energy to that which I did not want in my life. And then because I was an agnostic, borderline atheist for much of my life and had no concept of the fact that there was an order and, 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 a, and a, a way in which the life would unfold before me, um, I was, you know, doing the reliance upon self, and I was really missing out on, um, on the gifts that were before me because I was worried about what might be. And so I'm so clear today that that's inconsiderate of God. But God has taken care of me through thick and thin, through, you know, destruction of my health and my body and restored me to full health and, um, you know, so many blessings that how could I be that inconsiderate, allowing myself to live in constant fear? Um, I, I'm, you know, it also makes me think back to, you know, this idea of how we procrastinated and we ate and we hid, like how much of my life I spent hiding out from life using food as my comfort and my destruction instead of showing up to be part of the stream of life. So there's just so much here in this invitation and this explanation to this evil and corroding thread that was shot through the fabric of our lives. Like, you know, I am so grateful today that, you know, fear still crops up, but we're given such clear-cut direction for how to let God in around it. And, you know, today I don't have to live in what I call tiny God syndrome. If I've got fear showing up, I just have to make my God bigger and, and more badass so we can handle whatever is standing in the way of my some of the new direction towards what I can do instead of what I can't do. Thank you so much for letting me share. Thank you. Who else would like to share what was read before we move on? Rabia. Hi, good morning, Rabia, and then Elaine. Thank you. Uh, good morning, everyone. This is Rabia, a newly recovered compulsive overeater. And I'm sitting here this morning feeling so grateful for my fear um, because my greatest fear ever in my whole life has been the fear of getting fat and being fat again and again. And I have a note next to this 
uh, paragraph to say, go back to page eight, the gift of desperation. And I just went back to Bill's story and how dark it is before the dawn. And um, the end of February, and it talks about uh, the beginning of my last debauch and my last binge, uh, which was the end of February, and uh, there I was getting fat again. I had already gained 30 pounds in just a very short time. I was well on my way back up the scale, and I had the gift of desperation. I, I was so desperate to not um, to come back to OA, and God guided me to the vision meeting, and uh, I was willing to do whatever it it took. I got involved in the vision meeting and in the big book, and and two short months later, um, now I'm living in step ten, eleven, and twelve, and and I know a happiness, a peace, and a usefulness in a way of life, in this way of life, and 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 I can't even believe it. I you know I I'm, I'm still I just can't even believe this is my new life. Um, I'm I'm not even beginning to settle into it yet. I'm just so 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 grateful and and so um the for new people who are just at this place in their process going into the fourth step and even in the first three steps getting ready to go into the fourth step just keep going keep going. You know, I could never believe it could happen in this shorter time and the work is so worth doing. Just Stay with it. Thank you so much for letting me share. Thank you. Elaine? Thank you. This is Elaine, Recover Compulsive Overeater in Massachusetts. And um, I am just so blown away by this book and the brilliance of it and the steps and the order in which they're taken. And um, my original attempts at doing the four-step took years and years, and then I came and uh, tried it via Vision for You way, and I had taken Fearless and Thorough to the umpth degree, and so my sponsor told me, you know, don't worry about it, more will be revealed, and, um, you know, put down what you're carrying around, and we did the process, and I had a spiritual awakening that was sufficient to bring about recovery. And the thing that's so fascinating is that more will be revealed. This is a spiritual process. It's progress and not perfection. And so as I go on my journey, the causes and conditions that I I removed were like the very first layer of weeds. And now the deep, deep weeds that that that, that want to kill my garden and block me off from the sunlight of the spirit, those deeper roots of resentment and fear have had an opportunity to show themselves and so um, to be honest with you the fears are even more scary but the fact that I know this process I know that it works I know what to do with them I know where to bring them and um, these ones are a little bit more tenacious (laughs) I find that I need to you know keep bringing them back um, over and over again and so we have brilliant things like the acceptance um, prayer in the back of the book for those deep, deep resentments that we can come back over and over and um, 
and and fears and bringing them. And the, you know, the thing is, is that as I was growing up, things happened in my life, and I'm like, I'm never going to let that happen to me. You know, my mom left the house. I went to visit her. She had cardboard boxes covered with construction paper, and I was like, I'm never going to trust on anybody to take care of me. I'm going to do it. <laughs> oh, what a setup that was. And I didn't realize the many forms that that took in my life, how it impacted my relationships with my parents, with my siblings, with other people, with employers, with myself, but also mainly with God. It shut me off from the sunlight of the spirit. And the many manifestations of it, you know, it says we made the decisions and, um, you know, they were of our own making. And so um, I just want to thank God for this process and for... Um, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and all of you that are trudging this road of happy destiny along with us because, you know, more will be revealed. So thank you for being there on that attack. Thank you. Now we'll move on to the next paragraph. Marcella M., would you please read on page 68, paragraph 1. Sure. Um, my name is Marcella. I'm a recovered compulsive over here. Um, we reviewed our fears thoroughly. We put them on paper, even though we had no resentment in connection with them. We asked ourselves why we had them. Wasn't it because self-reliance failed us? Self-reliance was good as far as it went, but it didn't go far enough. Some of us had great self-confidence, but it didn't fully fall, solve the fear problem or any other. When it made us cocky, it was worse. Um, so... Um, my name is Marcella. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, I live so calm and happy in my side four. I weigh 128 pounds. Lost and maintain a loss of 50 pounds. But I have um, fluctuated 110, being too thin or too fat. And why do I say that? The only reason I mention it is because when I started um, coming to this program, I said, well, all of this is very interesting, right? The fear and the resentment and the self-reliance. But what does it have to do with the way I eat? I couldn't put the connection. I just couldn't. Um, but now I understand that somebody like me cannot afford to be angry. I cannot afford to be fearful. And uh, when I first, somebody helped me to develop my plan of abstinence, the very first thing that I felt was fear because I couldn't imagine my life with surgeons, without certain foods. I just couldn't. I felt just a wave of fear. That was the first thing that I felt. So let me go back to page um, just for one second where it says um, once we establish that we're not in charge because we're terrible managers of our own lives. And we came to believe because we're joined the fellowship and we're joined this program and we're aware of the presence of the higher power, we began to lose our fear of today, tomorrow, or the hereafter. So a little flow has been established and I'm ready to list my fears. Um, I was told that not fear was no fear was irrelevant. I would be really afraid of mice. And uh, when my sponsor asked me, why are you afraid of mice? Let's treat it as a resentment. Well, I'm resentful about, about, I'm resentful at mice 
because they're brown, small, and and because they run and hide, even if there's no real danger around. And as I was riding my hair, I said, oh, that is me. I'm a small brown person that hides and runs even if the danger is fancy. And it doesn't matter if it's real. I just run and hide. That's my MO. So, so now that the fear has been, that the process has been completed, you know, when I kept going, not only at the inventory, but step five, six, and seven, and nine, making the amends. What are the amends for a scared, small, brown mouse like me? Showing up, showing up with courage. So there was no way that I would agree to be the reader in these meetings um, a few years ago. There was no way because I was not born in this country. English is not my first language. And, and I'm just a scared, small person. I used to be. But now fear has been replaced by sincere curiosity because I'm not in charge anymore. And if I'm not in charge, it's up it's not up to me. I mean, the outcome is not up to me. So I don't feel scared. I feel curious about life. And to re- when when life is when I when I feel curiosity, then life is interesting. It's interesting again. So how did how did all of this happen? Because I was granted connection. Connection with the higher power, connection with myself, connection with the connection that was completely damaged from my brain to my stomach. You know that needle that said, oh, full, full, has been restored. Connection with my stomach, connection with my body, connection with you, with my sponsor, with my fellows, with my coworkers, connection with nature, with art, with beauty, with notions of justice and peace connection with God. So the more connected I am and the more of an insider that I become in life, the less I fear. So I totally echo the previous speaker. Um, I, that is just newly recovered. I'm not recovered. It's just been three years and a half. I'm in awe. I'm in awe of what had happened to me. I'm still settling in my new life. It can be yours. It's a very simple program. It works. Join us. Without a pass. Thank you. Who would like to comment on what was read? Penny C. Hi, good morning, Penny. Good morning, Melanie. Thank you very much. This is Penny. I'm a recovered compulsive overreader in Massachusetts. When I read and hear this paragraph, I go back to what it was like before I I embarked on the 12 steps and and lived in the 12 steps. And now, in in retrospect, this paragraph makes so much sense. Of course I had fears. I literally, literally thought I was running the world. At least my, what I was, my, my part of the world. I really believed that if I didn't direct, if I wasn't in charge of the Girl Scouts fly up for the entire town, then it would go wrong. And I did. I did all the assigning. I didn't even ask the people if they wanted to take part. The other, the other moms and, and, the, and the girls themselves, I just assigned. And I was sure that they were going to comply. I mean, after all, 
look who was look who who was giving them the directions. And I, I didn't realize it then, but I, I really was playing God. I had this wonderful, extensive religious upbringing, but God didn't come into any of these situations. So, of course, anybody who, other than God, who is in charge of the world, is going to be fearful. And then when I realized that it wasn't working, that all this uh, self-reliance, just things weren't going the way I wanted them to go. Well, then, then the resent, the resentments and and the fear of what am I going to do now? So this this really really makes makes it um, so clear to me. And that last sentence, when it made us cocky, it was worse. When I thought I knew it all, and I mean that was most of the time. Um, it's, I'm painting a picture of a very difficult person to live with, but I didn't know it then. I really didn't know what I didn't know. And thank God for these 12 steps because, you know, I'd probably be just, just the same now or worse, more, more convinced that I could run the world and then fear being fearful because, it was too much. Of course it was too much. It all makes such sense. And I'm so glad that it, we're going to read pretty soon that there was there was a better way. And once once I realized that and lived lived the fact that my higher power God was part of my my the picture part of my was my recovery then then life just got so much easier. Oh, what a, what a, what a load off my back when I didn't have to run the world. So with that, I pass, and thank you, everybody. Thank you. Who else would like to comment on what was read? This is Kim. Paula. May I comment? Leah. I hear Kim, I hear Paula, and I hear Leah. That might take us up to the last hour. Good morning, Kim. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G. and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. We asked ourselves why we had these fears. You know, we have to remember what we were taught in the beginning of the fourth step. This is fact-finding and fact-facing. I had to try to get out of the emotion because I got so emotional I would start getting ramped off on these fears because I had so many of them. So I'm just making a list. It's telling us to put them down on paper and to simply list as these questions are there. So we asked ourselves why we had the fears. And, and I was given two tips that really helped me out. One was to think of when I first had the fear. And the other one was to play the fear out to the worst case scenario. And that often taught me or told me why I had the fear. So I'll just give you two examples. One of my biggest fears is being laughed at. And I would just go into a room being so afraid of making a mistake that people were going to laugh at me. And I had to think about when did I first experience that fear? And I remember it was around fourth grade and there was a talent contest and I did a dance and I fell and all the kids laughed at me. And what I realized was because of that incident, I had carried that fear into my life. Okay, another one is I have a fear of not never getting married. I said, okay, well, let me play that out to the worst case scenario. What happens if I never get married? And I realized my fear was I would die alone. And then when I thought about that in relation to the fear, 
what does having to get married have to do with dying alone? My husband could die before I could. We could get a divorce. There's a lot of things that could happen. Get, my not getting married has nothing to do with me not dying alone. And as I started to do that, and as I started to do a fact-finding and fact-facing approach, just the way the big book told me, a lot of my fears started to fall for me because I realized a lot of my fears were in the future that I couldn't control. A lot of my fears would never be realized because I was catastrophizing everything. I don't know about you, but I'm someone, if I get up in the morning and I have a flat tire, I picture myself homeless because I think, oh, my God, a flat tire, I can't afford it. Now I'm going to have to go into debt. Now my mortgage isn't going to be paid. Oh, my God, I'm going to be homeless. So this was a fact-finding, fact-facing. We simply asked ourselves why we had them. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Paula, you're next. This is Paula, Recovered Compulsive Overeater from New Hampshire. You know, I'd like to go right to that first line we reviewed. So we saw, we looked at our fears thoroughly. We put them on paper. There's the action. They were always in my head floating around. Sometimes they would be so many. I couldn't figure out what was a fear. What was a fact? What was true? Once I put it on paper, then something happened. Pen in hand, as Bill says. And I noticed, even though we had no resentment in connection with them, nothing was connected with them, I had to ask myself, why did I have them? Why didn't I have them? When I saw very clearly the paragraph before stated, it stated clearly, this, this is what was going to rob me. This was going to take away from, take away from I brought my yesterday, my fears of yesterday, into today. Well, not to be concerned because I'll bring them into tomorrow. So then where is life? This part, I didn't see it. Once I wrote it down, I said, this has taken more than what I ever thought because now it was in writing. It was in black and white in front of me. Affected everything I did. Oh, you bet it did. People that were in my lives, oh, I carried the fear to them. It said some of us once, once had great self-confidence, but it didn't fully solve the fear problem. Honey, as long as there's a little bit there, not to be concerned because it will grow. It will grow. I said, well, I'm just a little bit afraid. No. It grows and it takes over again. And it says, be clear here. Fully solve the fear problem? Wait. Hear another different type of flow. Or any other. Or any other. Do you see the train? Honey, it's a coming down the track. And this is an engineer you don't want. So as it ends, when it made us cocky, it was worse. Could it be even worse? Oh, yes. That's what fear does. It sure ain't going to get better. Thank you for allowing me to share. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Leah, you're next. Thanks so much, Mel. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leah. I'm recovered compulsive overeater. Wasn't it because self-reliance failed us? Um, you know, absolutely, when I was doing my uh, step four, you know, just to see um, the number of fears, you know, that um, had just absolutely riddled my life. I mean, the big book says, you know, it was a corroding thread, you know, that 
our existence was shot through it, you know, uh, like threads shot through a piece of fabric. I mean, step four gave me the opportunity to recognize that there were certain uh, ways that I viewed the world, certain attitudes and ideas that I had acquired in childhood for the most part that were no longer working for me. Um, you know, and those were the lenses to which I was looking and seeing and interacting with the world. And certainly, uh, fear was just, uh, you know, all through you know, every aspect of my life because it was the first response that I felt when I wasn't in control of the situation. And, of course, you know, I am not in control of people, places, things, circumstances, and situations, but it took this program of recovery to teach me that. You know, I... I had thought I had to run the show, that everything had to be managed, you know, and the chief activator of my defects had been this self-centered fear, you know, fear that I would lose something I already possessed or fear that I would fail to get something I thought I needed or demanded. And when I live like that, based on uh, unsatisfied demands, you know, of course I was continually restless. Of course I was continued to be irritable and discontent and frustrated because I couldn't have any peace unless I could find a way of, of reducing those demands for a feeling of stability. You know, my feeling of stability and security and happiness and well-being came from everything just being according to Leia, <laughs> Leia's wishes and Leia's demands and Leia's specifications, and only if those things were in order, then could I take a sigh of relief. Well, of course, that sigh of relief never came, because things are not going to go according to Leia. You know, so self-reliance did fail me. Absolutely. You know, it took the program of recovery to teach me that if my relationship with God is right, my instincts will be under control. And basically, anything that a person says or things that occur or situations or circumstances that unfold will not create fear in me. But if my relationship with God isn't right and my instincts are not under control, just about anything that does occur in my life will create fear. So it took this program of recovery to remind me, Leah, you know, whatever directs your life, that's what's going to run your life. So, Leah, if your life is directed towards things going your way, well, then your life is going to be run by that, and you know what? you're going to have restlessness, irritability, and discontentment. But, Leah, what if, what if you have God-reliance? The program has taught me that the quality of my consciousness is going to determine my future, is going to determine my comfort level. So what if I stand based on what this program teaches me. The big book suggests that self-reliance is the ultimate root of my fear, and it also suggests that God-reliance is the answer. And isn't that great that there is an answer for someone like me? <laughs> isn't that marvelous news? And isn't it wonderful that there's a program of recovery that allows me to touch and attach myself and cleave to that goal, that aim, that objective? That's wonderful news for someone like me. Because that's, a news, that's news of a solution for someone like me who came from such a broken, broken, emotionally crippled, spiritually uh, sick place.
That is great news and great hope for me. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you. It looks like time can allow for one additional person to share and comment on what was read. Would anyone like that opportunity? May I, Rabia? Hi, good morning, Rabia. Yes, thank you. Oh, thank you so much. I'm still Rabia, still in newly recovered compulsive overeater. And cocky, this word is just jumping off the page at me. And in the uh, big book dictionary, egotistical, overconfident, arrogant, full of oneself. And my two extremes in life before these 12 steps was I was either fat and self-loathing or slim and cocky, which is what would always happen. I, I would lose the weight. I would get down to maintenance. I'd be slim and um, and adorable and wanting to be happy, joyous, and free and not be willing to do any of this, um, the work of 10, 11, and 12. And the good news is, the best news is, that there, one of the many promises in Step 10 which is on page 85, is it says right here, we are neither cocky nor are we afraid. The two driving forces of my life will be removed, and they have been removed, and I am so grateful today for that. Thank you so much for letting me share. I pass. Thank you, Rabia. We've had a couple of short shares, and we do have time for one more person, someone else that has a desire to be able to comment on this last paragraph. Well, thank you. We can certainly end the meeting, that's for sure. And thank you to everyone who has shared today. We will now close the meeting with the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Janice M. please read a vision for you? Certainly. Um, <clears throat> certainly, Melanie. My name is Janice M. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then, pass.